0: Episode
1: 154 of the Dr. Noah, the Dr. our podcast. My name is David Menger, fellow of the Hello. Today we're going to talk about episode one of The Invasion of Time.
0: We open with a scene of deep space, and the, over the top of the frame comes a very large, like cargo type spaceship, of some kind, and then a smaller shuttle's type ship boosts and flies underneath it and in front of it and they go off uh, farther away from us. Interior shot is of the, the doctor and there are he's standing in front of a, a view screen um, his back to the view screen in front of him with their backs to us are like some high backed, cone shaped chairs, I believe, or some, it appears to be chairs. Um, and there are people, there are creatures talking to the doctor, um, but we do not see them. Um, the doctor is trying to, uh, he says to them, I am prepared. And then we go back to inside the TARDIS now, and Leela and, and K9 are impatiently waiting for the doctor wondering oh, how long is it going to be And Lila tries to uh, use the view screen and, and uh, see where where they are and even though the do- um, canine tells her not to then nothing functions and um, then he's not talking he puts his head down he's not talking to her and she says oh you're not soaking is an emotion too he says he's an an unemotional robot but she gets brings him around and says well why don't they work and she learns from K9 that the doctor disabled the view screen um, before he left the doctor is meanwhile he's quibbling over this contract that the aliens want him to sign um We learn that they are called the Vardens. And the Doctor wants to make sure that this gives him complete control over the Time Lords. And um, they ensure him that yes, it will. And so he decides to sign it and um, pockets their pen as well. So he returns to the TARDIS and the Doctor tells K-9 to tell K-9 to tell Leela to shut up. And so K-9 says, what does he say? Um, engage silence mode. And she says, what? And then she looks at K-9 and his blaster is um, being deployed. And so he's threatening her to be quiet. We see the doctor, meanwhile, this hand up to his ear and, uh, Looking like he's trying to focus and listen to something, so, um, b- and then on Gallifrey, there's a, a guard who receives a radio call that a um, unidentified aircraft is heading their way, and it appears to be of Gallifreyan origin. Uh, he r- informs the Castellan, and um, that this TARDIS um, will be coming in two minutes and um, they still have not established an identity the Castellan tells the guard to issue an amber alert level for this incoming craft the doctor hears this amber alert sounding and says an amber alert for me On Gallifrey, they're still wondering who's inside the TARDIS. The Castellan reminds the guard that unauthorized use of a time vehicle, um, you know, the punishment for that, and he says that yes, it will be carried out. And they they are told that anyone exiting the the TARDIS should be arrested upon arrival if the vehicle, if no life signs are detected, is to be destroyed. doctor is offering K-9 a jelly baby and um, asking where Leela is and she is apparently off for a swim. So We see her swimming in the TARDIS pool. The uh, Castellan tells him tells his guard to capture and interrogate the operator. His guard seems to be getting very uh, tetchy at the Kesslan second-guessing and micromanaging what he tells him to do. The Vardens appear to be tracking the doctor and, to see, and see that he has arrived. So the Tardis lands. Guards come and uh, swarm on the, the TARDIS and as the doors open they've lined up on each side and then draw their guns at the doctor as he exits the TARDIS um, he seems very pleased to, to see everyone um, one guard says well, we're here to arrest you it's like, what's going on with it come on let's go um, he tells Lita Lila to come along and then he turns around and tells her to stay um until he calls for her which she's thoroughly confused by so they're marching him back to the castellan um the doctor's in the lead and he stops and the guard addresses him and says, doctor says oh do you want to lead and the guard says no you i'll um i'll go first you follow me so trying for some obvious fun there the doctor stops at one point and there's a doorway, opens the door and the guard says, "No, oh, so you can't go in there that's, a, that's the chancellor's office, he says, well I want to see the chancellor but you can't go in there without being announced well then announce me so the guard goes in there to the chancellor and um, t- and then talks, tells him and the doctor comes in and uh, it is Chancellor Barussa, um, who was previously just Cardinal Brusa last time we were on Gallifrey. The doctor comes in and proclaims to Barussa that he is there to um, exercise his right uh, to the Uh, well, to the presidency of the Supreme Council. It's his uh, descendant of of Rassilon. The Vardens watching in are are highly pleased. The doc, the K nine, a K nine is uh, within the TARDIS, and asks the TARDIS where the Doctor is, and we see a panel with some lights flicker and flash and some beeping noises. And then K-9 reads this and then calls TARDIS a stupid machine. But we don't know why yet. The doctor is talking with Barusa and uh, he mentioned there was history between them and kind of an animosity before and it seems to be more now. And the doctor mentions it. Oh, I guess looks like Bruce, uh, you've accepted me as the uh, president. And uh, Bruce says, Well, I'll try to go and convince the others. And the, the doctor gets very vocal and um, is very volatile with him and he says, There's nothing to discuss or accept. It's my right, and I am, will be the president. Um, And Brusa goes to leave, and then he yells at him and says, well, I didn't give you permission to leave yet. He says, well, until you're confirmed, you don't have, I don't need your leave. So they have this angry conversation. Brusa then talks to the Castellan, and um, they talk about the doctor and how um, uh, the problem is with him is that he has no discipline while the Vardens are talking amongst themselves saying how the doctor understands discipline. So the doctor comes in to see the Castellan and he really wants to ask him about his rooms. Where is he going to stay? He wants his you know, well-appointed rooms of the president so they take him to, to the area and he inspects the room walking around and around and and they have a conversation that he wants to have redecorated. And what style would he like? And would he prefer this? And he spat off some different number series. And Castellan says, oh, Earth 20th, early um, Earth in the 20th century. And the doctor says, well, I did get used to it. Um, the doctor then asks for Leela to be tended to and given quarters um, so that she can come to his induction serum. And then he also tells the castellan that he wants lead lining everywhere walls, ceiling, floor. And then he says also the door. Um, Actually, does he tell that to the chancellor? I believe.
1: I don't remember. It might
0: be the chancellor. Um, But he wants it everywhere. We see the, the lead guard with Lila in the TARDIS and picking through a rack of clothing and going through costume after costume and he says, oh, this one's nice and it's a very garish, almost bird-like thing and she says, no, none of these will do he says, well, tell me what you'd like we've gone through everything in the galaxy he says, well, I want a bow and a quiver and my knife back and tries to grab it from him and he says, no, you can't have weapons here But she would rather have her weapons than a fancy dress to go to this um, honor that the doctor is receiving. So they argue. Um, The doctor is being briefed on the ceremony and the matrix and what it is and how it works um, by the Chancellor. Um, The Vardens say they're going to Care. Chancellor tells, continues to tell the doctor that, well, when he was there previously, he had only been linked to a part of the matrix before, and that um, he will have full access to this and full control, and um, he should put it to a uh, good use and he will be responsible. And he says, Yes, I'll put it to good use. Outside that, in the Panopticon, the uh, Savar and Gomer, Gomer,
1: something like that, Gomer.
0: We'd say Gomer. you might say it differently. Two of the Time Lord Councilmen are talking about this doctor and how he's uh, the president-elect uh, and everything, and... Then one talks about, oh, I've been meaning to tell you about my new experiments with the wavelength, with a wavelength conduction, and they continue a little bit talking before all the festivities start. There is fanfare and officialdom, and they're all brought to attention, music plays, and the uh, doctor enters after some other officials was that the chancellor as well couldn't tell it looked like a different person
1: the one in gold yeah no that was a different guy a
0: different guy okay a different uh officiant to uh make an announcement that um this is how the president elect is coming to office and he strikes his staff on the floor and then he says Well, does anyone object to him taking over this? Does anyone object to him taking on this, the rod of Rathalon? Um And then so on, and says that he will strike his staff to the floor three times, and if at the third strike no one has raised any objection, then the doctor will be accepted. So we hear the dramatic three strikes, no one says a word, so the doctor is accepted, the officiant gives him the sash of Rassilon, presents him with the rod of Rassilon, and tells him that he is there, t- he is to seek and find the great key of Rassilon, at which point the Vardens listening in, are saying, hey, wait, no, this is not going to plan, and the other says, yes, it is, patient the doctor is sworn in, um, there is a, a ring type crown that raises from the floor, the officiant places it on the doctor's head and says, and now we give you the matrix. This gold circlet has some lights on each side and they start to pulse and flash a little bit and there's a little slightly humming noise. And the doctor places his hands on his head and grabs his head and bends over and then collapses to his knees and he is um, helpless and in distress at this matrix being added to his brain. And the end. <coughs> I would say the... uh the opening scene with the two ships coming in was really pretty nicely done. Oh, you think
1: so?
0: I thought it was pretty good. Um, they had the uh, most of the ship come like, like through the top, the very top of the frame, and then a little farther into the frame. Um, sti- uh, it was a nice angle to follow, I mm. think. And then the smaller ship um, coming underneath it. Um, very opening of um, Star Wars. <laughs> mm. Yes. <laughs> uh, with the battle cruiser coming into frame over the top and then you know smaller ships around it. But still, it, it was nice. The model work was, was fine. I didn't think I saw very much shifting or jiggling. Did you?
1: No, though I did think that the stream coming out of the back of the one ship was a little
0: the small one
1: weird yes
0: yeah it it, it it worked much better with the bigger ship because it had like the more sustained blast i guess And several like a, it was kind of like like an aerosol or something wasn't it
1: I they guess. said it was the spray or the propellant from a from an airbrush an uh,
0: airbrush um it didn't work as well in the small ship as it did in the the like the four like, big blaster engines or whatever at the mm-hmm. back of the bigger ship. It might have been just trying to um, shift its position or something. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I do think that the opening was pretty good. And apparently that's the Varden ship. It's so a new race of Alien, we haven't met, and it's very, a very weird situation that the doctor's putting himself in this uh, contractually obligating himself somehow. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, doesn't appear to be himself, really. Yeah. Because of it, probably. Or yeah, for some he, reason.
1: He definitely seems off a bit.
0: Yeah. Lila has yet another new outfit, probably more clothes than she's ever gotten in her entire life on the, on her planet, but her dress is slightly different than the last one, it's another version of the chamois dress, it looked like the same one to me, yeah, it's um, a little more well put together, and the skirt, like, um, loops on mm. one side like there's a flap
1: okay. and a slit I heard last one had that too
0: yeah well this one was uh newer
1: okay
0: um doctors in his fancy dress too he's got his like uh, breech leggings on like the knee breeches mm. and his boots and like more we think of as his more piratey shirt with the laces white shirt with the laces mm-hmm. up, up to the neck um, and a, a darker uh, velvety coat on. Uh, and he has, still has that on from his meeting with the Vardens. Bard- must have dressed up for this legal contract.
1: His meeting where he wore his scarf, which was then on the shell, on the hat stand in the TARDIS yeah, before he enters. <laughs>
0: I think he has more than one. No.
1: Still doesn't explain why the one that he was wearing outside ended up.
0: True. Did they mention that in the notes? Yeah. They
1: They did actually mention it there, too.
0: Not that I think you wouldn't have just noticed it on your own. I was just wondering if they were also telling everyone of us who had missed it. I was writing stuff down. It didn't seem out of character for the doctor to, um, how he addresses the guards that are assembled there to arrest him. You know, that's kind of normal for him that, oh, you're here to arrest me? Okay, well, let's go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just takes charge of the situation instead of letting them take charge of him. Um, I think the, the little attempts at making him more humorous as they're marching away from from the TARDIS where they landed were a little bit weak though
1: do you think that was intentional to help to show the change that's come over him
0: I'm not sure because I could see that that would be something he would naturally do just wasn't as funny I guess as it could Mm. be but I guess you could take it that way that maybe he's just, he's off his comedic game right because of all of this. Um, and it's, it, there's that part. And then there's the whole scene with Barusa and him and, um, I know, like, I, th- I mentioned they had history before. A lot of it was because Bruce had taught the doctor, I believe, mm-hmm. as a student. And the doctor got in trouble, so Bruce got him into trouble, I guess. You know, uh, punishment and different things as his instructor. Um, but they seem to have come to a bit of a truce, maybe, or agreement. As the Doctor left the last time, after being the hero, saving saving them from the Master in the Matrix and everything. Uh, So I was kind of surprised to see the animosity return, unless he's just supposed to be that way.
1: I suspect that he's supposed to be
0: that way. I guess it, or do you think it would be too simplistic or too obvious to have some type of um, indication, some manifestation that, um, to like clue us in on the, that the doctor is having a mood or being taken over or whatever is happening to him or should we just assume that that's what's happening when he he has this this confrontation with the the time lords i don't know
1: i think it's probably safe to assume that just from what we've seen
0: So the so, uh, <coughs> chancellor is telling him about the Matrix and on and on. I'm thinking, okay, hey, this is for those of you who have not seen the Deadly Assassin. <laughs> but then he goes back around to it and says, "Well, when you were hooked up to it before, you only saw this one part of it." So it's like they tried to maybe remedy the fact that cover up, cover up, you no, know, just bring it back around that. yes we know we're explaining more than we probably need to but just in case here you go we understand that he's been hooked up to it before Uh, and uh, the the parts with Leela were interesting Um, I think that we did not need to see the, that the TARDIS had to pool. in that whole sequence.
1: It was fairly pointless.
0: Yeah. Unless it was the Doctor and Canine's part was yeah. to show his normal state versus how we um, will see him once he arrives.
1: mm still
0: it wasn't really necessary Uh, which leads into her her being in the pool because K9 says that she's immersed in H2O or something like that Mm -hmm. so it was either she was going to have to be in the pool or in the bath (laughs) but that was unnecessary and uh and what I mentioned at the time was when the guard is uh, helping Leela pick out something to wear to this uh, ceremony and what she wants to wear is her knife Um, she grabs it back from him at some point and um, he says he just gives in and uh, says try not to kill anyone and uh, she says I will try and I said that uh, now there are even other people telling Leela not to kill. <laughs> so it's not just the doctor telling her to not be so violent. Right. But this guard who's um, saying, try not to kill anyone as well. That made me laugh. Do you think we'll, we'll come back to the Experiments that the Savar was going on about, or Gomor, his wavelength conduction.
1: I don't remember actually.
0: Yes, bad. I've been talk- looking at these, and some wavelengths don't conduct um, thought in the same manner, and but then they're cut off by the and at the start of the ceremonies. If not, that was a. a Really, not very necessary either.
1: No, it's time waster. Yeah. And I suspect it will not come around
0: again, ah.
1: except maybe in the most sort of oblique way, hmm. where still was probably a waste of time. You know.
0: Well, seeing as how the, the doctor ends up grabbing his head when this um circuits put on the of the matrix is put on him, and they're talking about wavelengths and conduction i wonder if it has something to do with with his condition Mm. yeah maybe can you see where we've seen the castellan who is that because he looks he
1: is the british jack of all trades he's the british character actor his name is milton john and he's yeah. been on all sorts of things. He was in the, the show I used to watch on PBS called Butterflies, for one. Okay. Um,
0: the name's even familiar. I know I've seen lots of stuff, I'm just not remembering anything yeah, right now. He so, um, what did you tell me?
1: There was something else. But I don't know if it's what you had seen him in. He was in uh, Empire Strikes Back as one of the Imperial um, officers. Okay. He was on an episode of The X-Files. Or actually, excuse me, it was in the movie. But it was a real minor part. Probably blink and you miss him. One of those Uh types of roles. Uh, What was the other thing? Oh, he was in an episode of Remington Steel, but sure that's not it he was on an episode or two of Yes Minister
0: okay I can see that has he been on Doctor Who before? he was
1: on an episode of Two's Company
0: okay yeah he was in
1: Doctor Who before too but um, it wasn't hang on a sec it wasn't real well he was in Android Invasion he will be that's probably where you've seen him
0: okay it could be
1: he was Guy Crayford in that he was also in the Enemy of the World but we haven't really talked about that one
0: okay I might be thinking about that one well Android Invasion I think we've we've already seen we have yes that's I think what I'm thinking of I was thinking of something else something coming yeah. out okay um I think that's what I'm thinking of was android invasion because I could see him as a little bureaucratic kind of dude yeah it's pretty you much know, all the guy he in a black plays. suit you know
1: yeah that's the sort of role he plays
0: yes man or um, conniving um, office worker you know I kind of got that that picture in my head and I could not think of which one it was but as I was thinking a previous Doctor Who that's I'm I'm sure I've seen him in the other things too and so like you said uh, even the name is kind of familiar but I could not have associated it until now but I probably saw at least um, the couple things you mentioned at British television that he's Mm. been on um Probably the Yes ministers, and I'm sure, most likely, sure, seen the two's company. So I think I've seen well all of those that were available on American TV for a short period of time where I got to see them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we need to actually buy the rest of those. Yeah, we've got the first two, I think. We need to finish that one out.
0: Yeah, I really liked those. Uh, I was in high school and finding any British television I could find to watch and that was one of the things so it was pretty fun um, he kind of reminded me of the guy who played the, the reporter in um, The Deadly Assassin he was kind of a weezy little guy too oh yeah that's yeah. where I kept I kept thinking he was but it's like, no I don't think so that may have been what I was thinking of as well actually yeah, I think that doesn't that person die?
1: I don't remember. Or, Probably. Uh,
0: Probably. Yeah. And it was assistant. Um, get shrunken by the master. <laughs> and put down in the camera. Well, a GI <laughs> Joe doll does. Well, okay.
1: Action man, sorry, is what they call him in Britain. <laughs> An
0: action man, cameraman. Yeah. Inside the camera. Inside the scope. Um but overall it was it was really a pretty good episode. It was first episode, you know, so um kind of setting the scene and uh, showing the start of of the story and what the conflicts might be. Um, seems right now the main conflict is just within the doctor and and the doctor against everyone around him. Do you have any other thoughts? No,
1: not really.
0: Talked about costume, somewhat. The Gallifreyian costumes are the same as we saw in Deadly Assassin. um, The distinctive um, pinks and oranges and reds, (coughs) purples um, of the official robes. Let's see know, the shoulder yoke pieces mm-hmm. and such and um, even the the gold and white robes of the officiant were similar to what we've seen before at the last presidential announcement the guards' uniforms are all the same and I think the, the chancellor and the castellan might be a little more elaborate than they were before could um, be a little more gold tone edging to some of their costumery um but settings are all what we have seen before. I think um, maybe a little more streamlined. Um, some I don't remember the like the pattern on the floor of the of a great roundish room of the panopticon area. Um, that pattern being there on the floor before, although we maybe not has seen it um, in shots from the other one other episode uh, but otherwise I think the the settings looks the same uh, enough that we could recognize it as Gallifrey mm-hmm. from The Deadly Assassin so all, all, we're all pretty good should we talk about the cliffhanger sounds good which is Little more of a cliffhanger than just an ending to the story, to the episode. Because there's, you know, there's this, we know there's something going on with the doctor anyway. And then he's named as president and then collapses with this circlet that's causing him some issues. And it's like, what is this going to do? Is it causing the doctor pain? We don't think it's going to kill him because that, that's hardly ever an option. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, Could it be making him worse? Would it detect that there's something wrong with him already and make him better? Will it unleash something into the Matrix? You know, are the Time Lords at risk?
1: No, I I suspect you're probably overanalyzing it too much. I suspect it won't be anything that major. Oh, okay.
0: Well, it's the first time in a while we've had an ending that lends itself to...
1: Wild speculation. Wild
0: speculation, yeah. That To, to wonder, like, in, in the next week, well, oh, what could that happen next? You know, there's a little more ambiguity, I guess. There's a little more uh, up in the air. might be more at stake. Uh, there's more interest, I guess. mm than I have had in some other stories of late. <laughs> so I'm reading in more interest. Because I've gotten used to doing that. <laughs> yeah. So, but not too bad. I think it was very good.
1: No, no, it's fine. Yeah. It's hard sometimes to watch... The doctor be the way he was in this one. It's not what I expect out of the doctor. Right. I know that there's yeah. a reason for it.
0: Yeah, I there had has to, to be. I had to keep telling myself that, so I can, especially when he yells at Barusa. Mm-hmm. It's like, jeez.
1: it's almost over the top.
0: Yeah. It's, it's almost like, you know, if you ever witnessed a parent get mad at somebody outside the family. Yeah. And you've never seen it before. It, you're just taken aback, like, whoa, dad's mad, you know, and not just because, you know, if they're mad at you, you probably know why.
1: Yeah, (laughs) you usually do.
0: Um... But there doesn't seem to be a reason, and it's it's off-putting. And it just seemed so volatile to mm-hmm. him that it really was hard to watch. Um, but yeah, I kept trying to tell myself, "Sure, there's a reason." I I read the back of the disc box, so. I know there's something going on, and you could tell by now that there's something going on with them, but it is still on just seeing it. Your first reaction is just, whoa, um, I, don't, I don't like seeing him this way. Right. But then you have to step back, think about what may happen in the bigger picture of the story. But I did, I felt that too. Anything else? Mm -hmm. No, I don't think so. All right.
1: Join us tomorrow when we talk about episode two of The Invasion of Time. Join us then, and thank you for listening.